Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you have a Bible, um, if you turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And the text we're looking at tonight is controversial. And yet Jesus, whenever he, whenever he spoke these words to his disciples, it was meant to be comforting. And one verse in particular stands out. I've already quoted it tonight. As that one verse that rubs up against our culture. To the believer, we... It's the heart and soul of what we believe. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one comes to the Father but by Him. And yet, to the outside world, looking on, when we say that, that Jesus is the way, and that no one comes to the Father but by Him, we sound to the outside world arrogant. We sound like, how could you be so exclusive? How could you be, say that nobody other than you Christians can get to God? But yet, that's what Jesus is saying here. Either Jesus was right, and He was who He said He was, or He was not, and we're all hopeless. My belief is in the first one. That Jesus was right. And that He was telling us the truth when He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Me. And we're not trying to be arrogant. We're not trying to be mean by saying that Jesus is the only way. We're just saying what Jesus said. We're just saying what He said because we believe that He was truthful when He said it. And it isn't, it isn't because we think we're better than other people. It's because we know if what Jesus said was true, then everyone apart from Jesus is lost and dying and on their way to hell. And the only way to change that is to present them with the gospel of Jesus and pray that God would change their hearts and they would believe that. That sounds to the outside world like arrogance. But it's not just us that's saying it. We're only saying what Jesus said. In the context here, Remember, we're approaching the time whenever Jesus would go to the cross. Jesus had loved His disciples by washing their feet. He got down on His knees. He took a basin and a towel and He washed His disciples' feet. And that passage says, Jesus loved His disciples to the very end. But it wasn't just in washing their feet but it was in serving them as He went to the cross to die for our sins. And Jesus had this meal with His disciples at the Last Supper and and He said that one of them would betray Him. 
So it says even in those texts, Jesus was greatly troubled because He knew one of His disciples was going to betray Him. He was greatly troubled because He knew that the cross was about to come at hand. He knew that His hour had come. He was greatly troubled for that. And yet, the one who is facing such an anguish, facing such a torment as knowing that he is about to go to the cross, he comforts his disciples with these words. He says, from John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way where I am going." Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we believe that it is truthful. And Lord, we have not been given to make up a spiritual philosophy on our own. But you have revealed yourself in your word. You have revealed yourself in Jesus you have spoken to us. Lord, give us ears to hear you. And give us eyes to see your truths. And Father, be with me, a sinner. Be with me. Give me strength to proclaim your word, to bow before your authority to say things that are not popular in our culture because it's what your word says. Help me to be bold. Help me to be strong. And help me to be tender. In Jesus' name, amen. He begins, let not your heart be troubled. Remember, the context of this, this controversial statement that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me, it, the context is He's speaking a word of comfort to His disciples. He says, let not your heart be troubled. The one who was grieved, the one who was about to face the cross, the one who had just been betrayed by a friend, the one who He just told Peter that He was going to deny Him three times before the rooster was going to crow, this very one, Jesus, said to, said to His disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus was able to say that in the midst of a storm going on in His life. 
And often we have storms going on in our lives. We often have everything spinning out of control. People don't do what we think they should do sometimes. Sometimes we face medical problems. Sometimes we face dealing with uh, the loss and grief of, of a loved one. Sometimes we face injuries. Sometimes we face insults. And those things can shake us and those things can rock our world to pieces. And Jesus says in the midst of His own suffering, in the midst of His own troubling of His heart, He says to His disciples, let not your heart be troubled. And then He gives a reason. He doesn't just say, blow it off. He's not just an eternal optimist that just says, let not your heart be troubled and leaves it there. But he adds, you believe in God, believe also in me. Or believe in God, believe also in me. The Greek word there is actually kind of ambiguous. It could be taken as a command, believe in God, believe also in me. Or it could be taken as a statement, you believe in God, believe also in me. Different translations will take it differently, but it, it's it written the same either way. What are we to take from that? He says, in spite of whatever trouble is coming, trust in God. He's in control Trust in God, and not only in generic God, not only in God the Father, He says, trust in Me. Believe in Me. Believe that everything is going to work out because I'm in control. And notice, He also puts Himself parallel with the Father. Believe in Me? Or believe in God? Believe also in me. He's saying to do the same thing about God, himself as he is saying about God. He is No one who wasn't God himself could say something like what Jesus was saying. But Jesus was God. He's saying the same way that you look at the Father, the same way you look at God, also look at me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Is what Jesus says. That should be the comfort, the bed rock of our faith, the bed rock of our confidence, the bed rock of our hope. It's faith in a person, Jesus, who came for us. Then Jesus says. In my Father's house are many rooms. The old translations say mansions. We all are familiar with that. We're familiar with the songs. The word there basically just means dwelling places. It could be a, a large house or it could be just rooms. Um, but it says, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. So... It seems like you wouldn't have a bunch of mansions inside of one house, right? right? 
but it, so I think the newer translations are better to say um, dwelling places, rooms. Where there's room for all of God's people in His house. There's a dwelling place. There's a place for all of those who've trusted in Him to have a belonging, to have a home, to have a place for them. And Jesus says, where I am going... Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? This is another kind of ambiguity. Some translations we'll see will say, uh, we'll make that as a statement. This translation I'm reading from makes it a question. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go away to prepare a place for you? Which seems a little odd to us because he hadn't been talking about going away and preparing a place yet. This is the first mention of his going away and preparing a place. Unless we just kind of think about everything that's been leading up to this. Jesus has already told His disciples He's going to the cross. He's already telling His disciples that He's going to die. He's already telling His disciples that His, his um, friend will betray Him. All of this is part of what it means that Jesus is going away in order to prepare a place for us. And as Jesus goes and prepares a place for us, it's not as if Jesus is going up there to build a bunch of buildings or build on a bunch of houses. No, He is in going to the cross preparing a place for us. That is how we could have a home with God in the Father's house. How we could be united with God, belong in His family, belong in His home. Jesus was going to prepare a place for us by going and dying on the cross. That was how He prepared a place for you and me. I go to prepare a place for you Oh, those words, for you. For you. It was said to His 12 or 11 disciples, but we're included. He was saying for you, for all of those who would be His disciples, for all of those who would believe on the word of His disciples. He's going away to prepare a place for us. Then Jesus says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to Myself, that where I am you may be also. There's a bit of ambiguity here too. What kind of coming back is He talking about? Is He talking about the resurrection? He's going away, He's going to die on the cross, and He's going to come back because He's going to rise from the dead. That's true. He's coming back in order to bring us with Him. If He died and stayed dead, we would have no hope. But He's coming back in order to bring us with Him. He came back so He could commission the disciples to go out and proclaim the Gospel so that we could be brought with Him. Or is it looking to His second coming? 
Is it looking to the fact that He is again going to go away after the cross, after the resurrection, when He goes ascends into heaven? Are we looking then at when He returns again to take us home? Both of those senses, I think, work. And anyway, He's going away to prepare a place for us. And He will return for us. He won't leave us abandoned. He will return. He cares about us. And then verse 4, Jesus says something that Thomas misunderstands. Jesus says, And you know the way to where I am going. But then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Thomas misunderstands it. He takes it too literally, I guess. He thinks Jesus is going to go somewhere and we've got to figure out how to get to wherever Jesus is physically. But... That's not the way Jesus meant it. He said, you know the way where I am going. He was telling the truth. Jesus was telling the truth. You do know the way, but they didn't get it all yet. Jesus answers and says, I am the way. He was able to say his disciples, they know the way because they knew Jesus. He was the way. He is the way. I am the way, Jesus says. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas wanted to know what the way was. And Jesus answers him, How do you get to be in God's home? How do you get to be in heaven someday? And Jesus is saying, I am the way. That's the answer to Thomas's question. I am the way to get to God. I am the way to heaven. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Thomas wants to know, how do you get there? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He answers Thomas's question and he says more than what Thomas was asking for. Thomas asked for the way, for how to get to the way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says these three things, and they're all equal with each other. The one that Thomas is asking for, we, we kind of understand. It's the way into heaven. Then he says, the truth, I am the truth. He is the one who reveals who God is to us in its clarity and in its wonder. He is the truth. The one who had, had been with God from the very beginning. John 1 tells us he in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 says he was made flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 18 says, And we beheld His glory, the glory of the one and only God. He's the one who's explained Him to us, God to us. 
Jesus is the truth. He reveals accurately what God is like. Who God is. He is the truth. And He is the life. He is the life. Jesus had said something very familiar, very similar to that whenever He rose Lazarus from the dead. Remember, Mary had spoken to Jesus and she... she Jesus said, I I can't remember exactly how it goes, but Jesus, he, He said, He will live again. And Mary said, well, I know that He'll raise again on the last day, but Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life at that point. He had power over life and death. And he ultimately proves that whenever he goes to the cross and he dies himself and he raises from the dead. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He has power over life and death. And we can have life, true life, by our faith in him. And then if that's not all, if that's not enough, he says, no one comes to the Father but by me. That's what we find in our culture so offensive. The fact that anyone can say no one comes to the Father, no one can come to heaven apart from Jesus. What about all these other religions? What about Buddhism? What about Hinduism? What about all these other religions? Don't all religions just teach the same thing? That's what our world says today. But if you say that, you can't take seriously what Jesus said Himself. If you want to listen to what Jesus said, He makes exclusive claims. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Me. You have to either ignore that as you try to compare all the religions of the world, or you have to just admit, they're all different. Either Jesus, what He said was true, or it wasn't. There's no middle ground there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Me. There's a story that's often told, it's an ancient Indian Hindu story about these these blind men who find an elephant. And one of the blind men feels his trunk and he thinks, oh, it's a tree branch. And another one of the blind men says, oh, feels the side. Oh, it's it's a wall. And another one of the blind men grabs a hold of his tail and so oh, it's a uh, oh it must be a, a switch and according according to the story the moral of it as well God is like that elephant and and you may see one side and once someone else sees another thing and and we're all really just describing the same thing. But the problem with that story is who knows the elephant is what it all is? The person telling the story. The person telling the story has that 
outside view where he can look down and see these blind men and be able to tell you, oh, this is how it really is. So the person telling the story is really in the perspective of God himself. Saying, well, really, you see this and you see that, but it's all really the same elephant. But when God became a human being and came down among us, He didn't say there are many ways. When God came down, lived among us, the one who did have the view, the overall view of everything, could see from the outside, was not a blind man grasping at an elephant. When He came down, He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. How can this be encouraging? I told you, this is given in a context in which Jesus was comforting His disciples. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Let's think back more about their context. Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. He's telling him, believe in God, believe also in me. I know what I'm doing, guys, is what Jesus is telling them. And if we try to put our feet in the shoes of the disciples hearing this, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. He's saying it as in, I have to do this. Trust me. If I don't go to the cross, if I don't go away, then no one can be saved. If I don't do this, no one will have access to the Father. If you take that look at it, it's it is comforting to the disciples. It wasn't said in a haughty way. It was being said in a way of comfort, saying, this is what must be done. I have to go to the cross. I have to die for your sins. And you have to have faith in Me to go to heaven. You have to have faith in Me to be in My Father's house. In verse 7, if you had known me, you would have also known my, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I don't think this is said saying, you disciples, you just don't get this. No. Because he turns around and he says, from now on, you do know. Him, and have seen Him. Jesus later says, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. He comforts them. He says, you've got Me. You've got the Father. You may not get it now, but I'm explaining it to you. Jesus is saying to His disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father but by me, Jesus says. Jesus, as, as being the way and the truth and life, He wasn't just a trailblazer. I'm going to make the way. That's not what He was doing. He wasn't just a trailblazer to, to show us what the way was, to where we're to follow His teachings and do the things that He says to do. No, He says he doesn't say, I'll show you the way. He doesn't say, I'll make the way. He says, I am the way. The way, it isn't just about following Jesus' example. It's about being united to Jesus Himself. It's about placing all of your hope, all of your trust in Him alone. He is the one who made the payment for our sin. We could do none of it on our own. He did it all. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain and He washed it white as snow. He is the way. It doesn't do any good to just try to be a good person. Follow the teachings we find in the Bible. You've got to have your faith in Jesus Himself. He is the way. Look to Him. Look to Him. He is the way. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.